0: So, just understanding what gallery you're going into, and understanding what, they, they, and what, they, what they, you know, the gallery is about, and, uh, and knowing, and asking yourself, "Well, do I fit into this situation, or is there they're avoiding the situation that I that I fit into, and is it something that I can I can I can feel?" Now, for me, uh, I I think, and, 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 and my circumstance might be unusual. Uh, uh, I was in a. a um, I started out. gonna. <laughs> are you ready for a, a semi-long story? Yeah, far you away. No, I'll go for your life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when I first started, um, I remember, uh, you know, you know, doing my freelance art work, and I I decided with a well, actually, me and two other people decided that we wanted to do a a, a three-person show in Colorado. So I was you know, working as a freelance illustrator, but I was painting. Um, we leased out this space, um, uh, you know, in Denver, and it wasn't a complete bust, but we did pick the wrong day to actually have this thing on the day, same day as our parade of lights, uh, which is like where Santa comes. There's this big parade, and it happened to be this, the staging area happened to be in front of the, the space <laughs> that, we, that was the gallery. <laughs> uh, and so everything was, was, um, shut down, but I managed to, um, I managed to, uh, uh, hang on just a second here, I'm, I'm ringing, oddly enough, now this is going to be crazy, I, I don't know if you, you can hear that, but uh, it's in my ear right now, um, the person that I actually had the show with just called me, <laughs> that I'm speaking for right now, this is so odd, he's one of the, the two people, I'll have to let him know that, but at any rate, so we decided to do the three person show, right? Um, and uh, I think I saw two paintings out of that show. Someone actually came through and, and made their way to the show and bought a couple paintings. So the people that, uh, that owned the, the space decided to say, hey, you know, we were thinking about turning this into a gallery anyway. You know, if we did do that, would you show? I thought, well, I'm not doing anything, but just uh, – uh, I was working at that time part-time for this company called Primestar, which is like a direct TV and I, and I was, you know, doing freelance. So um, um did a show with these people, with the, with the, with the gallery that they created, and um, I gave them like five paintings, and they sold all of those paintings, right? So after they sold them, they were like, man, you know, you should do a one-person show and it took me you know probably about six or so months uh, to you know to get up enough work for the show but i think i it, it ended up being about well they a date, and at the end of that time i probably had about 20 24 pieces or something like that so we did this one-man show they sold it out and they were like well you should be paid full time and so at the same time that, that show was happening i had there would have to be a show in town that was called the arts of america show there had to be some galleries from that show. Someone said, hey, you need to go down to this gallery and check out this guy. It's right up the street, you know. So I happened to get a call from an, uh, a gallery f- from that show that said, hey, we would like to represent you, but they called all the Ron Hicks and said, we would like to represent you. So so my career started out like, like, like that. So I started getting, like, these calls, and then as they produced ads and I was in the gallery, they started to add... Uh, I guess I started to get a little bit more notoriety and I started to get uh, um, oh, a lot of galleries call it in up to you know where I was introduced to the New York uh, uh, scene and, and and from there the rest is history now that's that's right the, the fast version of it so 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 technically I have I haven't really gone out to actually show books but what I took from that is this if some gallery finds that there is something that you have that is of interest I don't I don't think it I, I think that they'll find you if they can, if 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 if, if you're visible enough, and if they do, then um, that's also a path. Um, and then I think the only other thing that I could say on that side of it is, you know, sometimes an introduction is, is good too. If you if you know someone that may have some connection with the gallery, then that, that's always a, uh, uh, you know, an avenue as well. Yeah. Did, did I get that? No, no, or, no, that's you know, good. What sort of prices are your paintings selling for now? Um, they range anywhere from, like, on the smaller side, probably right around 5000 all the way up to, like, right now, I think they're like 70000 somewhere in that range. Okay, and that's all gallery price. Pardon? That's all gallery price. You're only getting half of that. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the gallery price. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, the just to, you know, as a note, I don't separate those. Uh, you know, like if, if there's an in-house sale or something like that, it would be the the same price as the gallery. I'm I, the gallery uh, gets the benefit of, uh, you know, because of the clientele of having, you know, their their portion deducted. But a lot of people think that you know, you say, "Well, I'll just go to the artist, and then and, and we can, uh, uh, we'll just get half off." But it it, it really doesn't work like that. Um, but The actual price of the painting is
1: the
0: price of the painting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Um, Rebecca Griffith in Denver says, Yes, one of my all-time faves. I'm pretty sure she's talking about you. Um, (laughs) I first saw your work in person maybe three years ago at the All All Colorado Jury Show at the Curtis Center. I was so struck by your portrait that I couldn't even look at it up close without being overcome with emotion. I had to take quick glances at it from a distance. It was so powerful to me. Only a handful of works have have had that spell on me, including Michelangelo's David. So let's just take a minute there to let that comparison to Michelangelo sink in. Um, do you have any specific advice for an artist living in Denver and wanting to connect to the artist and gallery scene there? See, and now it's probably, you know, with this COVID thing happening now, it's probably one of the worst times uh, uh, because they, they're, they're, most of the ones that, that, that I know of right now are either doing, uh, you know, uh, by appointments or they're doing a virtual thing. Uh, um, so, you I, again it goes back to my other uh to the last um, um my last rant uh you you probably will uh now um, it probably would be best to have like someone that if you can find someone that's in the position to choose, to make the introduction um that that's going to be one of your best bets the second the second is to maybe even call the gallery up and just say, "Hey, you know, I want to submit some artwork. What is your, what's your procedure for uh, submission uh, of artwork?" And if if you if you have something that, that they're interested interested in, I, I guarantee you they will they will give you a call back, or you know maybe they can you know uh, say, "Hey, you know what? I don't know, but perhaps there's another gallery that might, you know, maybe we're we're full." Uh, we don't, we're not accepting any applications, but you know, or uh, maybe there's another situation that they can get you into. But it's a very, very difficult one. But I, I think it, it, if if you can just, uh, it, like I said during this whole time that we've been talking, you know, you know, paint as honest as as, as you can, and uh, if there's something that uh, um, that's marketable, I think it, it'll find it, it'll find its way uh, eventually, uh, uh, one way or the other. Right. Are there many galleries in uh, Denver? There, there. Well, see, there, there's, there's a, um, there used to be. Now, now, uh, there, you know, when we had this whole, um, well, COVID, and even, you know, prior to that, we had the, uh, you know, the economic downturn in in '08, where we lost a number of the galleries here, and uh, uh, so there's, there, there, there are. spaces uh, that, that, that co-op art, that show art, uh, and there's a number of contemporary um, galleries that are, that are around, but, you know, there's only a handful of them here in, in, in Colorado right. uh, that I know of. Um, now, there's, you know, on, on, on the low-end or I shouldn't say the low end, but the low scale. You know, they they have like these regions. You know, we have like a, a district for the arts. You know, in what we call our Rhino area, and then there's another uh, Santa Fe district. You know, so there's a number of galleries along um, the, those streets, but they, and they they cater to a specific. Uh, uh, so you probably have to do your research in order to, to really in Denver at least to uh, to figure out if any of those. And like work for you situation. So, so there's different tiers of, 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 of galleries from the high level to the mid level, and there's fewer in, at the top. Okay. Um, Jenny Berry says, "Are you going to take Robert Lang up on his offer of that extra room and visit Charleston?" <laughs> One of these days. <laughs> 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 yes. Charles said, you know. Um, uh, um, no, I didn't go there. My wife went there, and she, she, it's just like for her, it was a hidden gem. Um, um, she said it was an amazing place. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, getting out there when, 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 we're better. Yeah, we can you know, move around her, again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um. Okay, I am um, to my last question ask this to everyone who comes on the podcast.
1: <laughs> if there's one thing
0: you could pass on to future generations, what would it be? It doesn't have to be about art. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you know, future generations, it, it's taken me this <laughs> this long to figure this out, but it's going to tie into everything that I've said, That you know, just live your truth, you know, whatever that is. And, and it doesn't matter what aspect of, as you mentioned, uh, uh, whether it's art or the... Life is just too short, to, uh, and we can see that even nowadays with this, uh, 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 you know, what we're experiencing right now across the, uh, not only this nation but across the world. Um, um, you know, you know, every day is just not promised to us. So you know, you have to live life to, to the fullest, and those things that you've, you, know, maybe, put off. If you can dig into some of those things and, 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 and a passion of yours, I'd say go for it and follow it because you just don't know just live your best life. Live your best life. Brilliant. and uh, what's the best way for people to connect with you online? Online? Um there's Ron Hicks dot com. dot com. Um on Instagram it's Ron Hicks Art. Okay. And <laughs> uh, I
1: think
0: you're on Facebook as well, are you? Yeah, I have a presence on Facebook, but I think uh, whenever I post on Instagram, it's uh, uh, we have it set up to where it automatically goes Okay, brilliant. Okay, yeah. Okay. Well, it's been lovely getting to know you and chatting with you and hearing what's behind your, you know, your approach and where you're coming from. I think your art is fantastic. I mean, i I've, I've been sort of following Thank it you. for a couple of years now, and uh, it's. I didn't. I didn't see any of the romantic stuff. So.
1: <laughs> it's just the latest
0: stuff. So. Um, no, no. Yeah. I'm just saying. I. I have nothing to reference there. But um, from like your the latest work that you're doing now is just fantastic, and you are one of those. I know you're you're saying you're mostly a, an abstract artist who happens to have what did you call it figurative tendencies. <laughs> a great way of putting it. But personally, I think you're one of those artists who is sort of showing a way that figurative art could go, not necessarily in your direction, but just of, of like taking all that skill and you're obviously highly skilled, and um, all that skill and you know the 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 sort of the Blossoming of the resurgence of academic training and focus on academic training and all that, and sort of taking that and not getting stuck in it, but sort of going, all right, now I know all these skills. Or you're saying, it? It, you, mm. you know, this is what I've got in my tank, as you were saying, as you described it. And this is, you know, this is the, I can use that as kind of rocket fuel, really, to propel my my artistic core forward. You know, and I think that's that's so exciting to witness and i think that's what makes your painting so so great you know it's really it's got they've got that energy in them of of authenticity and of being courageous because it's you know i mean what's the point of learning how to be good at something if you're going to sort of throw it out (laughs) but that's what you have to do you know but it's not easy to do because you know being being master for be having mastery over something, well, it's comfortable, you know, it's nice. It's like, oh, I have worked really hard. Now I know how to do it. What I have to throw it all out, but of course you have to throw it all out to 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 discover this these new kind of territory inside yourself. So it, I really um, sort of salute your courage for doing that. And uh, yeah, your paintings are beautiful. I love them. They're great. So and, and it's been lovely to sort of get to talk and, and chat with you a bit. Oh, yeah, my pleasure, and it's a pleasure to meet you. I think that uh, uh, you've, you've made this a uh, <laughs> an, an easy uh, uh, interview. Because uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I know that sometimes I can be all over the place with, uh, you know, when I'm talking. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's great that, you know, you, when you can feel at home and comfortable uh, uh, enough to talk, uh, and, and you you do exhibit that, so I do appreciate that, you know. Ah, good. Well, it's been my pleasure, really. Okay, well I keep in touch with everyone, catching up with cups of tea and whatnot. So I'm sure we'll keep in touch. But yeah, for now we'll say goodbye. Goodbye, bye,
1: <laughs> I've never felt this good in my entire life. Make me some spaghetti.
0: Actually, I'd prefer a cup of tea. <laughs> a cup of tea would be lovely. So yeah, just a little reminder, mainly because every second or third person who becomes a patron has got in touch with me and said. You know what? I've been listening to your podcast for ages, and I didn't become a patron, not because I don't have the money, not because I don't think it's great, I just didn't get around to it. So this is a little friendly reminder that if you'd like to be a patron, you'd like to buy me a cup of tea, go to patreon.com forward slash John Dalton, gently does it, all one word, or follow the link in the show notes to become a patron. I would really appreciate it if you could do that, particularly if you've been meaning to and you just haven't got around to it. It would be great. It would mean a lot to me. Alright, thank you. Bye.
1: We are the on, yeah, 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 Hello Hi. <laughs> how are you? I'm good. <laughs> good That's great. How are you? Good. Yeah.
0: I've been sort of running around doing all sorts of getting all the technicals. <laughs>
2: Sure. uh-huh yeah, Same yeah i, I um i'm just i'm just in the beginning stages of trying to uh be better with my Zoom stuff. <laughs> look, every time I see myself on a thing like this, I'm like, man, I could do better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Likewise and all that. I'm just like, I have no idea how to how to organize.
0: Things. Well, there's about fourteen thousand people on YouTube who are just dying to help you with that. There's so much stuff about how to look better on you on Zoom. You know. Uh
1: huh. I yeah, discovered sure.
0: recently there's a setting on the video thing, and I think it's called "Make Me Look Good."
1: <laughs> oh, I that. And
0: when you slide it across. It's like oh, all yeah, your it's like skin starts to glow, and all your wrinkles disappear, and it's beautiful. <laughs>
1: it's
0: like that. Yeah, it's really funny to sort of slide it back and forth, you know, and then and then, what you thought was great before you started fiddling with this thing, you know, now looks terrible. <laughs> oh,
2: that's true. I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's like, it's so funny. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Okay, now, if you're listening... Um, I'm talking to uh, Julie Bell in Pennsylvania. And just to give you time context for our conversation for someone listening in the future, today's Wednesday, the 24th of February, 2021. Um, Now, I I started doing this new thing where when I uh, look up, you know, and I'm going to know I'm going to talk to people, I usually do a little bit of research, even though I don't do a huge amount. Um, And it's hilarious when you type in a person's name, you know, who comes up but well, in your case, it, nobody came up. and um, It was pretty. It wasn't that. Ex- it wasn't that exciting. But you do have a Wikipedia page, which is pretty impressive. How did you swing that?
2: I have no idea. That was there before I knew about it, and
1: <laughs> before uh, <you> were born. <laughs> <laughs>
2: has required several adjustments many times <laughs> because people sometimes have put things in there that were inaccurate. But um, yeah, I did get myself a Wikipedia account after I saw that, so that I could make some of those you know amendments to it but no i don't know who started it i really don't know but you know i did one time i when i was looking this up i there's a julie bell science person scientist
1: yeah she's julia
0: oh oh okay okay. julia yeah it says that on your wikipedia page it says now you got the wrong Julia. Julia. (laughs) yeah she was a geneticist
2: oh that's cool yeah yeah yeah
0: um yeah, I'm surprised you're able to edit your own Wikipedia page because who was it? Finton McGee, who's an Australian you know, muralist. I had him on the podcast and he was complaining a lot about his <laughs> Wikipedia page. So afterwards when I was chatting with him, I said, oh, look, I'll have a look and see if I can fix it. Uh, because he was saying, I can't get into it myself. As soon as it, mm. says, it knows it's me, it won't let mm. me in. So, yeah, I went well, in. and I don't
2: know. I, I, I have never had any pushback from them or anything. Um, okay. I don't know.
0: Yeah, his Wikipedia page was saying, it was using a quote from like a very trashy tabloid paper and it was calling him the Banksy of Australia and it was driving him insane. That's funny.
2: Oh, well, gosh. No, yeah, it was just, you know, the thing is that when you're reading your own biography, you could see, like, okay, someone has put this in there for their benefit, you know, they own a painting and they're saying, this is the most important painting in her collection, or something like that, I'm like, really? I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's actually quite, I don't know if you found it easy, but I found it really complicated to use Wikipedia, like, to actually get in and edit things. It's very clunky.
2: You know, I used to think that, but... um, it doesn't seem to be a hard thing anymore. I don't oh, know if they changed it or if I just got I got more comfortable with it. I'm not sure right. I think it used to be harder. I really do and I remember when I first wanted to make these changes that i was pretty rough um but then I just started an account and i I don't know, seemed to be
1: fine so
0: yeah um okay so if, if just for somebody who's listening who hasn't seen your work how how would you describe it
2: um well, it's definitely based in realism and traditional realistic painting. Um, I, it's my, the main part of my work is in the realm of fantasy illustration or fantasy imaginative realism, you know, fine art painting. Um, I don't know, it's kind of, it's a, funny thing to this all of a sudden be at a loss for words about (laughs) because it's just so right there (laughs) but um you know I guess for one thing there is uh right now there is a discussion about what to call this genre of art because it's kind of evolved you know um fantasy art used to be thought of in a certain way and then illustration is another whole term that brings up different ideas and um so now they've come with imaginative realism which is a nice Mm-hmm. Name, um, but yeah, I've been in actual discussions with you know <laughs> people at meetings and things about like what should we call it? <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's where I am. Imaginative realism or fantasy art
1: is the oh. main thing I do.
0: Imaginative realism, yeah. I think I've heard that. Yeah, it's nice. It, mm-hmm. it, it I certainly yeah. conjures up different images.
1: Mm-hmm. Like
0: when you when I think oh, imaginative realism, I. I get that, whereas when I think of fantasy and um, art, I think of a different thing, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah,
2: it feels a little more grown up to say imaginative realism, right? Yeah. Well, you we could say like... like, more kid someone stuff like it. it's not to say anything negative about that, because I love kid stuff, <laughs> but it's just, it just sounds a little more, I don't know, what were we going to say, sorry?
0: Well, I was going to say, you know, you think of imaginative realism, you, think of, you could think of someone like Chagall or,
1: mm.
0: you know... Even though I think technically he's a surrealist, is he? No, I'm not sure what he would be classified as. But yeah. yeah, it's you kind of think of that end of it, you mm-hmm. know.
2: See, and Chagall has that childlike stuff that you know is also what I would think of as fantasy. So yeah, it's I think it's just one of those word things. It's just kind of like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, I mean, the thing is that I did start out my career more in more what would be more traditional fantasy, which is to do with heroes and monsters and barbarians and superheroes and things like that, and it's kind of evolved into my own personal um, way of seeing the world over the years and bringing in elements of um kind of mystical and, and just personal feelings about how I see nature and animals and symbolism in it symbolist kind of stuff
0: yeah yeah right yeah lovely when you were saying that you know it started off with barbarians and what did you say barbarians and
2: heroes and
0: trying,
1: you know yeah,
2: yeah it sounded yeah. like where i grew up which i love that stuff too it like, sounded <laughs> <laughs> like what was it
1: where i grew up um.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you know that's where it's like a lot of that stuff stays there so yeah for sure
0: um so, just to put your sort of artistic sensibilities in context, who are your artistic heroes, you know, whether they're artists or maybe they're not artists?
2: Um, well, I mean, of course, you know, my work started out like I, this aspect of my career really was based on the work of my husband, Boris Vallejo, And so, of course, like, you know, he's the number one person I would mention as an artistic Hero, or inspiration, or
0: influence. Was yeah. he hmm. yeah. a hero before you met him?
2: Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, it was. He definitely was someone that I admired his art. He wasn't like the number one thing I looked at at that time. I really have always looked a lot at Art Nouveau art. That was, okay. I guess, my number one direction that I saw in, you know, previously, and I still love that, you know, Luca and. Um, all the, like, the illustrators from that time. and Yeah,
0: yeah. It was a golden um, time
1: for yeah, graphics. Yes.
2: Oh, yeah. I, and it was just, it, it's just one of the things that I just, every time I see something, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's just everything about it, you know. Um, so, and, and then when I was in school studying art, I, um, you know, studied just, you know, the more traditional, like, the old, the, the, Renaissance-type art and, the, you know, old masters and the, um, just really academic kind of studies of life drawing and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. And, it's you know, like heroes now. I mean, there's so many artists now that I really admire. And uh, I love having access to all that on Instagram and, you know, every place yeah, that you really can look funny amazing it's so inspiring and um, so that's that's really like just seeing all our art is amazing to me. I really tend to look at certain things you know more than others like I really love a lot of the Japanese stuff like um, Yoshitaka Amano I love his work Uh, and he, he also seems really influenced by Art Nouveau Okay, um, have you seen his work Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, no
0: uh, I don't I, I might have seen it and just not registered the name, but no, mm-hmm. the red names there you not ringing a bell it, when I first saw his work was
2: i think in the nineties I was at a actually at a um really nice comic store in New York City, and I saw some books of his and um it's interesting because like when I first saw him, it was just it looked really different to me than any. Thing else that was that I had seen out there, Um, and it was like his way of drawing figures and stuff wasn't really as technically, you know, anatomically accurate and that. But it was just the way there was something about his whole thing, his whole approach, that just really drew me in. And over the years, I've come to realize that what really excites me and inspires me the most um, is the freedom that he has to just. Make his world be whatever it is, and yeah. make. And, and it's like it, when I when I see that in him, it makes me think like I don't want to do what he's doing, but it makes me feel like I can do what I want to do, and it, yeah. it just gives me license to also have that freedom. It just seeing it work for him made it made me feel more like braver. I don't know. It just made me feel braver and um, have more courage to to express my own self. Yeah, yeah that was pretty cool.
1: What's his name again
2: Yoshitaka Amano
1: T-A-K um
2: Yoshitaka Amano A-M-A-N-O
0: yeah oh yeah right I've got him yeah oh lovely
2: yeah and it's just I don't know he just whatever he wants to do he does it and I just think that's so cool it's like his world becomes whatever he wants it to be
0: yeah yeah I see what you mean about the uh, Art Nouveau influence hmm It's sort of like Art Nouveau meets Spirited Away or something like that.
2: Yeah. hmm
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had the same kind of thing with um, Mobius. You know him?
2: Oh, Mobius, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah like in Got to meet him one time, yeah. Did you?
0: That's, yeah, that
2: was great,
0: yeah. Yeah, I've only seen him in interviews. He seems like a very uh, unassuming, quiet sort yeah. of person.
2: Oh, very quiet, yeah. hmm Yeah.
0: But he's similar in that, like, there's no limit. Like, if you do...
2: yeah. He's stick just like, whatever you know, he wants in I want there. that to happen. Do it, yeah. <laughs> and, it, yeah I and I love when I see that that somebody has done that, that they're not concerned. Like, does this seem like you could do this? It's like, who cares? Yeah.
1: This,
2: you know, I, I remember when I was. Um, I don't know if you've seen the work I did back in the 90s, where it had a lot of um, painted metal, like chrome. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah.
1: And, yeah.
2: You know, and making it look like flesh that was made out of the metal, and when I was Kind of like developing the technique for that to um, be able to make the stories that I wanted to make um, using that technique. Uh, I remember thinking like there's certain rules to kind of follow that say metal but at the same time if you just make it like truly accurate it doesn't look right
1: Oh, okay. and, and
2: so I started to feel like yeah in real life this would be reflecting that and it would look this other way and I was like I don't care about real life I'm not doing science here I'm doing a <laughs> painting and this is you know i <laughs> it's like this is something that I just want it to make you feel like that's what it is and I think that um, you know I don't know anytime I, I feel like okay these rules are really nice but stepping out of them sometimes makes it work actually better yeah I love that
1: yeah
0: yeah uh, it's great to have that freedom, that inner freedom to be able to give yourself permission to do that.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Um, you mentioned Boris, so I'll tell you my Boris story. I told this to, to Dorian when he was on Dorian. If you listen to Dorian is uh, Boris's son. Um, I don't know if you listened to that, but um, I think Boris was probably the first, the second artist that I ever came across. <laughs> I grew up in a very art-deprived, sort of starved uh, childhood, there was a one. Uh, I came across one thing many years beforehand when I was about five or six. I think her name is Mary, something or other. She's an abstract artist. She's a lady with the lines, you know, all the lines that got together. Mary Cassidy or something. And uh, I really liked that. But then I was in a bookshop in Dublin when I was in my teens, and uh, I came across a book, one of Boris's books. And it, it I won't say it changed my life, but it, it sort of changed my head because I, I was looking at her. I couldn't believe... I mean... The the pictures were all, you know, of of women, and I was a teenager, so, you know, it gave me feelings straight away. But but apart from that, I was like, wow, this is... I couldn't believe a human being did it. Like, it just was like, it's amazing. And it seemed so strange because it was like... um, You know, I'd seen pictures from the Renaissance and all that kind of thing, but it's like, yeah, that's, that's old. Whereas this was new... And, yes. you know, I mean, I liked barbarians and all that sort of stuff as well. So there was all that to it. But, yeah, I can rem- I can still remember the bookshop, and I can remember holding the book and just having this feeling of disbelief of, like, how could a human being do this, you know?
2: I know exactly what you're talking about, because I remember when I first started seeing Boris's work was actually in some ads that he did that were in um, bodybuilding magazines. And I remember, like, what is this? it's not a photograph, it didn't look like a painting exactly, you know, it was, to me, it was like, I didn't even understand what I was looking at, and it just felt like this is just such, these people are so gorgeous, you know, it was just something about the way he had, like, they were realistically done, but there was something, it wasn't just, I don't know, it's it's really hard to even describe what made it so hyper real, you know, in a good direction,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah a
2: not just like a real, like copying a photograph or something, you know what I mean? It was just made more than a photograph, much better.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, similarly with your work, there's a kind of a richness there. Um it's, you know, it's one of the reasons I don't like looking at movies that have, you know, that are described. If the, if the movie's got gritty in the title, you know, like grittily realistic, I'm nah. like,
1: <laughs> no. yeah. I want to see yeah, that. No, I can no, just no, walk no, down really the street, you know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: so it's like, it's all the best bits of, what I see just uh, condensed and and slightly exaggerated and um, that's one of the things that I really like about it you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah but of yeah, course
1: you know,
2: oh go ahead sorry, sorry no no you go ahead I was going to say it's just funny that um, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before that I was looking for something in the uh, we have a catalog of all the files of um, you know the paintings that we've done not even all of them but most of them are in our files that are digital files at this point. And um, I was looking through the section of Boris's things to try to find something to help him find it. And I was just like, started to really be, I mean, not that I haven't thought of this before, but yesterday it just really struck me like, oh my God, look at this gorgeous work. Like everything was like just the action that he had. And, you know, I mean, it's like amazing that he could... Just do so much work of such quality, you know over all these years it it's just it just really uh struck me all at once yesterday.
1: <laughs>
2: not that I didn't think of it before, but you know all, like all the sometimes you just have these breakthroughs of your daily world and you're like, what am I even looking at all the time that I just you know
0: I had visions of you, like, leaning back over of your shoulder as you're looking at the phone camera kind of hey, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs>
2: Well, you know, and it's amazing, too. I mean, he just turned 80 years old uh, last wow. month, and the paintings he's doing now are just every bit as gorgeous, and I think that's, that's really, really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, well, well um, just going back to my, in the bookshop and whatever, because it's not, you know, like, I'm from Ireland and everyone is, Mac this and McCarthy that and whatever. So his name was was so exotic, you know, Boris I was sure he was, you know, I had this image of him being like basically a Viking, about ten foot wide, ten foot tall, in a cave, painting in a cave, basically, or maybe in a castle or something like that. That's
2: totally what I thought too. I (laughs) really really did. Yeah, and the fact that he would sign his name just
1: Boris, you know, we're like, whoa, Boris. Okay, ah, Boris.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So
1: yeah, get, yeah, get that yeah, out, out of the way
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah but no forest bar, yeah. man crush yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I'm um, you. Yeah, <laughs> share well, it with you I with you yeah you're, you're biased
0: okay uh, all right so we've had questions come in on um, social media so we we'll get into them uh Jesse Lane who's a uh, former podcast guest great artist great pencil artist he says uh hi Julie your work is incredible um, I bought your book with Boris back in college and it's what first exposed me to imaginative realism. Um, so, that's being adopted, the name's being adopted.
1: There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you for the inspiration. Your work is very imaginary. What inspires you to create a piece and how do you plan out a piece?
2: Um, so, you know, of course, different. there are different pieces. First of all, they have different purposes. Sometimes I have a commission and that, is inspired by the needs of the commission person (laughs) the commissioner so the person who's asking me to do it will suggest to me the idea that they have that they want me to fulfill for them as a painting and then that does require a great deal of planning because I need to show them ahead of time what I'm going to be doing and sometimes depending on the type of commission it is they need to see stages of progress as it goes along. So that does require very serious planning ahead of time. So that's a whole skill in uh, in itself to know how to create a painting using that level of planning. Um, Then when I can do my own paintings or uh, the paintings that I do for our calendar that Boris and I do together, it's kind of a mix between being commissioned and being my own because it does still need to pass through the eyes of an art director at the publisher but it's still they want it to be our own thing that type of painting um, that's more self-inspired really doesn't require the same level of planning and it requires an entirely different set of skills to bring it to development um, so when it's just the ones for myself I can literally I can start out in different ways sometimes I will start out by like I'll just take a lot of photographs of a model or, um, you know, things, that, and and the model will pose different poses, and the different poses will inspire me to maybe think, like, this has really given me a certain kind of emotion, or this creates a certain shape, you know, or there's something about this photograph. Like First, I need to identify what is it about a photograph that I'm drawn to, you know. Is it the model herself? Is her expression? Is it whatever? So... That helps me to just think of it as shapes and visual, um, the visual thing that's going to happen first. And um, so then sometimes, this is just one of the ways, okay, because there's many different ways that I do create paintings. It's such a good question. Um, but this is this way. Uh, so I'll take this photograph of the model, and I'll just start doing drawings based around the shapes, and those shapes start to happen, and then they make me think of other things, and it becomes what it is. So that's one way. So the, basically the the model has inspired me. The model's pose, the photograph I took of the model has inspired me. Um, another way that I get my ideas and I get my inspiration is just from, I go for a lot of walks outside and especially with the dogs, you know, I take the dogs to walk every day. But I do spend a good hour walking every day most of the time. Um, and during this time of walking, I just kind of let my brain go really soft and fuzzy, and <laughs> I'll see all kinds of just amazing things in the trees and the shapes around me. And I have tripped two times and actually broken my arm, but. <laughs>
1: wow. Okay. I'm
2: watching the ground better these days so that I don't just get lost in the clouds too hard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, so you got to keep your eyes on this topic. Don't, don't let that get away from you. <laughs> yeah, good shit. <chip>. But, yes, yeah. <laughs> But, um, so anyway, that that's really such a great thing to just have the space, the mental space to be able to just spend some time, you know, in this kind of almost like a meditative state of just allowing yourself to be part of the world and, you know, not thinking, not, not reaching for ideas, but just letting things pass through your you know, your consciousness or whatever, and uh, and uh then it just, I don't know, these things just kind of grab into you, and then it, it just makes you think of things in a more concept way first. Like, it's like all of a sudden you're like, you think of an idea rather than a visual picture first. You think of an idea of like, what if this thing happened to that thing and it meant that, you know? So, it's, I don't know, that's not really making sense, but um do you see the difference what I mean between a visual way to start and an idea way to start, a concept way to start. Okay, so this is more of the concept way to start. And then once I get that concept way to start and I get an idea that I really like, it's almost like poetry in a way, so it's just words at that point and ideas and feelings. Then I start to think of visual things that would express that and symbols that are to me. And then I I may actually go and really make a really planned out, you know uh scene with you know and then shoot photos for model or get a life model or whatever to um to bring it to life so those are those are some of the ways i hope that helpful. polite i mean it sounds kind of you know not real specific but um but i have thought about these different ways because they're different parts of me that are yeah. painting
0: yeah yeah now i Totally get what you mean about walking. I see it particularly in trees because trees can sort of twist themselves into all sorts of shapes and they kind of can look like limbs, you know, like an arm oh, and a leg and a body good. and whatever. And
1: yeah. And
0: yeah. Um, just when you're saying about falling, though, I just, I haven't really, I'm not conscious of this, but just when you're saying about looking down, I I, I have actually trained myself, not without meaning to, to stop. <laughs> like if I'm walking through the forest and if something grabs my attention, I stop.
2: Oh, that's a good, ha- a good habit. <laughs> yeah,
0: I don't keep walking, you know. Um, moving
2: forward, you do need to look at what you're doing,
1: <laughs> yeah. whether
0: you're driving or walking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hadn't really thought yeah. that I'd do that, but I know I do. I'll stop, mm-hmm. th- you know. and the same. The dogs would be looking at me like, oh, God, here he goes again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, are we, when, when are we moving again? Yeah. Um And then the other thing that occurred to me from what you were saying was, I hadn't really thought about it before, but yeah, commissions, like, would be a whole other level for you because normally when you're... You know, I'm talking to artists and like, oh yeah, commissions, and they have various happy or horror stories. But it's always to do with the one person who is commissioning, which I know is one thing. But for you, it, it's it's a whole other thing. You have it, like a, you go through a lot of people, um, <laughs> make a lot of people happy with your painting. It's it's uh, it's like commissions on steroids.
2: Yeah, I mean, I did start out my career that way, you know, yeah. and it was a fantastic training because when you are doing illustration commissions for people, or I suppose portrait commission would be the same thing, um but illustrations, maybe even more, because there's so much storytelling going on, and, you know, you really, um you're competing with artists who are just mind-blowing, <laughs> you know, and like to make your art stand out. Um, so, doing, doing the work for the commissions was the best training ever, Mm. seriously, and and I, um, you know, I've had some definitely difficult commissions and some really, really easy ones, um, but I, you know, um, I guess I am grateful for that part of my experience, and it was many years doing that, and I still do that, I, I work on commissions all the time, I have them now. Yeah. Yeah. and I enjoy that. I, I think it's fun to do sometimes a painting that somebody else wants you to do, and it's their idea, and then you can get to fulfill it because it's really fun to be able to make somebody else's, you know, kind of dream come true. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and then it's uh, also fun to just have the freedom to do your own thing. But both things are pretty scary in different ways. You know, when you have your own all the freedom to do whatever you want, you can. It's very easy to get caught up in what should I do? You know, what's the best thing and all that. And it's like, you have to really train yourself to let go of, of um, grabbing for stuff and trying to think of what's the best thing. Just get started. Just start, keep keep going, keep going. It's the best thing ever is just keep going.
1: Yeah.
0: Um,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, okay. Paul Berryman in the UK says, Julie's work is fantastic. So rich in so many ways. It drags you in gives you a visual treat, and makes you work for the narrative, too. Uh, my <laughs> my question is about the capture of the idea. Once you know what you want to paint, are you rigid in chasing it down to keep the original idea pure, or is it allowed to grow, develop, or change direction along the way?
2: Absolutely. I am. Co-op- it's a cooperative spirit with my news. <laughs> you know, I have to, like, dance with the idea. I uh, uh it's it's something that if you hold on too tight you're going to make it look like very uptight so um it's you know every once in a while it happens that i start a painting and from start to finish it goes in a straight line but that is really really rare very rare um i think most of the time it just kind of you know something happens just maybe an accidental thing happens and it takes it into an entirely different direction you know there's a time i so I brush across the thing <laughs> by accident because I was turning to go do something, and I look back and I'm like, "Oh my God, that's so much better!"
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so
2: it's like changed the entire thing, you know. So yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So, you know, it, it's, it's definitely. I think uh, when you're creating art, uh, I don't know if other other artists feel this way, but for me, I I can't imagine any kind of art where holding on with a rigid grip is going to be the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, we're thinking poetry, we're thinking music, we're thinking writing, well, you know, I think that... I was that thinking of photorealism, actually,
1: <laughs> <laughs> when you
0: said that, because I was thinking, yeah, that's fine. Yeah,
2: that's see, weird. and that's a, yeah, that's a different thing. I, um, I'm learning to understand more about photorealism as just, as it is. I've seen some paintings where they literally just took a photograph and made it like a painted version of the photograph. Yeah. And I think... Um, I'm just, I don't um, understand the thinking that it would take to do that I think sometimes it can be you know done in such a gorgeous way that the creation of it makes it become something really beautiful um, and sometimes I've seen it done in a way it's like why did you even do that I don't know because the photograph was <laughs> already beautiful so I, I have a question about it and I would love to speak with someone who does that
0: yeah.
2: to um, talk to them about that I don't really know anybody who does that right now
0: Yeah, I had um, David Eichenberg on. That's his thing. Uh, But it seems like a lot of the creativity side of it is in the photograph and in the context of putting it all together. Um, And Mm -hmm. then the actual execution, uh, I'm not talking about in general, but just certainly for him, it's almost like abstract art because he wears goggles, you know, he has the jeweler's Mm -hmm. goggles, and he paints like tiny, tiny little bushes, yeah. and he, and he yeah. does it in that way so he's doing these like microscopic cross hatching and that's how it builds mm-hmm. up so I haven't tried that I have actually started using gla- glasses when I paint just it's a, it's a helpful tool Um, but um, it sounded like for him it was almost like he was painting these miniature abstract paintings and then when you stood back from it it looked like this sort of realistic painting that was the sort of feeling wow. I got from it you know like
2: I mean I, I do paint with little tiny brushes like that and I get what he's saying about um, you know because I do I want certain parts of my painting to be more photorealistic than mm-hmm. others mm-hmm. and so I guess I can understand uh, what he's saying there yeah and, it, and definitely the creativity I've seen I don't know what the name of the artist is it might be the person you're talking about that does these really really big paintings of like Chickens with a really dark background or something, and you know, very photorealistic. Is that? That's not who we're talking no,
1: about. No, that's not him.
0: No.
2: Okay.
1: No.
0: Um, he uh, he won the um, meme thing a couple of years ago. Okay. Kind of um, two people in rubber suits.
2: Oh, It was almost like a
0: pieta, like a like a huh. a rubber suited pieta.
2: <laughs> oh well, that is really creative for sure. Yeah. That's, I, that's it's a it it's works. yeah
0: quite striking okay. painting. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Just going back to you, you're in the forest, you're walking along, not tripping, um, and you get an idea. How do you record those ideas? You know, do you write them down or do you take a Occasionally, I, I, I will, Yeah,
2: I do keep my phone with me. I take photos of things um, in case I didn't remember, you know, or sometimes I'll send myself a quick email, um, you know, to make a note to myself. I never remember to look at the note thing in my phone. <laughs> I have to <laughs> send myself an actual email, <laughs> I just won't lo- look at it. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh no, I'm
0: an email from Julie. <laughs> She's right, she always <laughs> petting <for> me.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's one. That's what I would do if I was. Because um, I, I don't really go out with a specific purpose of looking for things. Yeah. You know, I just go out, and then these things just you know, come into my... I think it's partly having um, my vision isn't like I I use glasses for distance um, and having the experience... like I don't really wear my glasses all the time. Having the experience of a kind of a fuzzy or sharper vision coming and going, um, I kind of relaxed into that a lot and I don't feel the need to have my vision super sharp all the time. And by doing that, it makes – I think it helps my imagination, you know, to be able to um, attach to different things and see yeah. different things. And the thing that's amazing also with that is how the light, you know, can affect it and change so quickly. And some of these ideas you'll see uh, and then you come back in like one minute later and it's not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I lost it. <laughs>
1: that's you know, right. So, yeah,
2: sometimes <laughs> there's tons of – and that was another thing. When I this started – when I started realizing that, you know, this is how my mind worked, I did get a little bit like, um, freaked out that there was so many things to do, so many ideas to be had. And it was just overwhelming. And it, I actually got rose. like, stop, stop, stop. I couldn't even look at anything anymore because it was just killing me. It really made me feel like my brain was getting overdone. And so, um, I had to realize, okay. This is, you don't need to think of every idea is so precious and you've got to do everything. Don't, don't do that. This is a, this is a never ending river and just let it go. If you lose that idea, you'll get another one in the next five minutes. Don't worry about it. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: And relaxing into that was wonderful. And now I don't feel afraid anymore of like I'm going to lose my ideas or I'm going to you know, pass up the very best one or something like that because I just don't think it goes like
1: that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know. I don't know if this is the same for you, but I know for me the ones that are, there's there are certain ones that just sort of press themselves, you know, I, just yeah. don't, I don't forget them. They keep coming uh-huh. back to... <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> make then you know
2: that's like, one that you need. Yeah, yeah, there's something that is calling to you and uh, something inside of yourself that really is connecting to that. I, I also really enjoy, like, as as these things come out, sometimes they don't seem related to me at all, but they seem like a really cool idea. And as I work on it, I realize this is exactly dream interpretation. You know, it's coming into my mind because it's the same way a dream works. It's something inside of me that's coming out visually now and becoming symbols and ideas. And um, that's exactly what your dreams are. You know, so uh,
1: it's
2: pretty much the same as that. Uh,
0: It sounds like that it's, is it more than just visual? Kind of when you're walking along, is it smells, music, sounds? Is it? Is that? Does that all go into that kind of process?
2: I'm sure it is. I never. I don't really think of it that way. I mean, the feeling of the air moving around me, and um, yeah, sounds for sure. I uh, I do like sometimes. I like to just be out, and or even inside. Anywhere you can do this. You can just like open up all of your hearing and. You know just like i call it this is what i told to myself because we have a a gazebo in our backyard you know what a gazebo is you know and so it's just open right but it has like a framework Mm -hmm. and i just said i'm going to just become a gazebo right now and i'm just going to be like the framework i'm there but i'm just going to let everything just go through like as if i was this gazebo (laughs)
1: and so when you
2: do that you become a gazebo then it's like you're just opening yourself to all this um the sounds and everything
1: yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I love that. It's
2: really a peaceful feeling. But it also, it kind of cleans your mind. It it settles you down. It makes you stop grabbing for ideas or being attached too much to any particular one. It makes it where you're not able to, um, like, I think if you grab onto things like that too hard, that you end up not getting the whole thing. You're just going to get something of it.
0: Yeah. Right, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, and I also I think what you like as you were saying, it's a process, you know, it's not like, it's like you have to start and then it sort of reveals itself as you get into it more and more. So if you yeah. try and nail it down on the first burst stroke, you're going to stop that slow. Right.
2: Exactly, right.
0: Right.
2: I really think it's like you're dancing with, it's it's, it's creating with you, you know, and. Um, it's like a dance, because if one person can't lead, you can't let that thing just take control, and you can't just be yourself 100% in control, I think, for me, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, like,
2: like you're saying, like with the more photorealistic sort of stuff, yes, that's where the control comes in, you know? Um, but I guess just totally abstract would be the other direction, maybe? I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you've... I've seen some of your abstract work. It's brilliant. Um, do you, is that a whole other way of it working, or is it
1: similar?
2: Yeah, and, and that's... Um, that is starting out where I'm just letting that thing take control, and then I'm bringing some control to it and trying to see how little I can bring in and still be feeling like it's saying what it needs to be. Yeah. And it's a tricky thing, because that's, that's like one of the really scary things that I do, <laughs> is that whenever I do that stuff, I... Um, I'm just not used to thinking about like that kind of thing, you know, and how how to develop that or leave it undeveloped or whatever.
1: Yeah.
2: It's yeah. it it leaves you feeling much more vulnerable, I think, than any other way of doing art, because there's no right answer to it. I think that's yeah. that's what it's all about. For, as far as that goes with the control and everything, I think the more you're the more you're using like you've already like you've got a whole plan. Then you've got your right answer, you know, of what to do. If you follow the plan, you're doing the right answer. But if you're not following the plan, it's so scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I um, had Richard Herons, who's an Irish um, artist, uh, he, he does a lot, he's, he's kind of half and half, half his practice is, is abstract. And he was saying that most of the work with abstract. Is not so much with the brushes. It's sort of being in the right place. It's all I, I didn't. I, he didn't say he does this, but i always got the feeling he has his back to the canvas and he's sort of getting himself ready, and then he sort of turns around and charges at it. And as soon as he starts to think and try and second guess yeah. himself, he puts the paintbrushes down, walks away. <laughs>
1: you know, it's kind of like it's that. a
2: real, it's a real act of like a mental um, exercise. You know, of like. It's a, just a different way. I guess it's like a different kind of meditation to be able to not let your brain take over, your mind take over that way.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, just occurred to me, when you're in the forest with your dogs, do, do your dogs help you in that process? Um... Well, yeah. I t- tell you what I mean, right? Because yeah, I know it. I know with With my dogs, it would be like I'll be going through the forest and I'll be having all my lovely experiences, and whatever. And then one of them will stop somewhere and be like, "Oh, come on! Like I can see this thing in the distance. It looks really interesting, or whatever." And then I'll go mm-hmm. back to where they are, and then they stop pretty close to something that's even more interesting than the thing I was thinking about, or whatever. Or they they sort of bring my attention to something I would have just walked by, you know.
2: Yeah, probably that happens. I honestly don't really remember anything like that in particular. I love looking at my dogs. They're so pretty and so cute, and they're like, (laughs) they just won't tell me how did they get so cute. (laughs) They told me it's a dog secret that people can't learn. (laughs) How many
0: dogs do you have? Two. Mm. Two. Yeah,
2: okay. Yeah, they're they're border collie mixed with Eskimo. So they look like small border collies, really.
0: Oh, all right. Yeah. No, um, my two lives oh, are um, Scottish Terriers. Yeah. So,
2: but um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I don't know that they've really pointed out cool visuals to me that I can think of. They get a little impatient with me if I want to stay in one place too long, so yeah. they want to keep going.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, okay, Julie Sphang Cabinet in San Francisco says, uh, "Julie, you are awesome!" Exclamation mark. Um, I'm curious about your process. There are so many different elements in your paintings. How do you make sure they stay cohesive? And also, what references do you use, if any, for the more fantastical elements? Um, yeah, definitely keeping a
2: compositional balance in terms of um, your, the composition itself with shapes and the composition in terms of the light and the colors and even the concepts. Those are all balances that have to be thought about throughout the whole time. Um, you know, that's where a good plan to start with never is going to hurt you, <laughs> for sure. But at the same time, if you're trying to do something that is more just responsive, then you have to learn how to give and take and correct things and maybe completely paint over something that you had felt really good about. You may have to just decide, okay, it's actually hurting the painting now, so i got to take it away um but um yeah I think that my days of illustration just the experiences I I have done so many paintings over the years that I've learned how to kind of ahead of time figure out like okay I want this thing to be more prominent and I want to de-emphasize these things but they're still there you know that kind of thing and uh, looking at looking at a lot of other artists' work has really taught me a lot about how to think about um, use of values and color in terms of what we're talking about right now. Um, like Andrew Wyeth, for instance, um, can teach you a lot about your values because he's just a master at being able to create these value shapes. You know, where you've got Areas of really light, areas of medium, gray, uh, not gray, but, you know, it could be gray, but medium value and then a very dark value. And sometimes he emphasizes one of those three and sometimes it's a different one of those three. But he, he really kind of takes those three values and works with them in a way that if you just took each one of his paintings apart and separated those values, you would see that he thinks about he was thinking about that all the time, you know, to make that value structure. And that's a super important thing. I think that the value value structure is probably even more important than color in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, But um, then color, you know, also that's another thing, if you're going to be using color, because you don't have to, but, um, you know, thinking about your color choices really... uh, I don't know, there's just so much to say about it and, and it's really, it has so much to do with the my ex- my years of experience that I have in terms of learning how to control what the colors are doing, whether it's bringing something forward or into the distance, you know, whether it's competing or harmonizing or whatever. Um, it's really just tons and tons of practice and not being afraid to change it. I think that's a big thing. I think a lot of, a lot of times when people are learning to do their art and even later on they're reluctant to make changes because you just spent a long time working on something and all of a sudden you're like damn i just did it all wrong to <laughs> take that away ah. you know it's very annoying but sometimes that's what you rather do
1: yeah yeah
0: um and i imagine as well that with the imaginative realism that you've got another dimension of of sort of making it a believable world mm,
2: oh that's right yeah they talked about the uh creating the fantasy things yeah
0: well they were saying what you use for the reference for the fantastical mm. elements or yeah but just when you were talking about balancing i imagine that you had to bring that into it as well because yeah. you have all the color values right the, the the values right the color right everything right but it's just it doesn't look like a real place
2: right and so that's the thing we are grounded in our physical reality on this earth and that's what we know to be what looks real to us and so um when you're doing something that you're just making a fantasy world you bring in you know you take reference from around your surroundings you know to help you along and make it more realistic um you just don't want to get too tied up in you know, like getting every little bit. Of, I, I personally feel this way. Okay, when when I see a painting where I feel it's more successful to have something more realistic and something less, because it's part of that back and forth um, with the same as with the values and whatever. It's you know, the more you know, it's it's more focused on a realistic thing here, but more you know, in fantasy world over there. And even if you're doing like a fantasy creature. You know, you have all the animals in the world to be able to get photos of that you can use for reference for different textures and body parts and, you know, concepts of how they move around or whatever. You know, if you're thinking of animals that fly, you can look up all kinds of different wings or just think of something completely different as your wings. Maybe the wings are made out of carnations or something, you know,
1: yeah. and
2: then you go get yourself some carnations. But um, using reference... Is very very important to me in my art Um, but I don't want it to be all about the reference I don't want the reference to make itself known to the viewer I don't want the viewer to think like oh this is all some reference (laughs) I just wanted to be in that world and I think it's kind of like if an actor shows you that they're acting then you you go out it's like shocking you know it's like oh we're not in that world anymore
1: yeah and true. and that's
2: what happens sometimes if if the reference becomes too heavy-handed and too yeah. obvious and that happens sometimes in my work i've had it happen and i've realized wow i need to back off on that and i let that one uh become all about the reference and that that was a mistake to me so
0: yeah 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 so At some stage you get models in, it's it's always with models and always photographs or do you work from life as well?
2: I like to do both. I do mostly work with photos. Um, For one thing the types of poses that I tend to put my subjects in are poses that um, have more action to them. And so, um, you know, I mean obviously the artists from hundreds of years ago got around that by using models anyway, you know, even without photography, they were able to get action, but um, I'm sure if they had photos, they would have used them as well, (laughs) (laughs) because it's a wonderful tool, and so anyway, uh, and I enjoy doing the photography also, I think it's really fun working with models, and um, you get a lot of really just cool things that you don't expect when you're shooting photos, and uh, you just kind of like to start out with the model, Like, I'll say, okay, let's start out like this, and here's what you're going to do in this first one. And then we'll take some pictures, and I feel like, okay, I've got my bases covered for this idea, but now I want the model just to take this idea and just run with it and do their own way of doing it. And nine times out of ten, it comes out with something way cooler than my original take on it because it becomes more natural um, and more, it's a lot more interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's another, another little thing to learn when you're doing this stuff is the directing of your models is, is a whole skill. Um, and having been on the other side of it as a model myself, um, it really helped me to know how to direct, I think, a little easier, um, and communicate well because I think if you want them to be specific, you've got to be very specific and I, I really try to focus on what they should do rather than what they're doing wrong and say, move your arm this way rather than don't move it so far that way or something like that you know yeah, so it's yeah. like it's a it's a good skill to learn to help direct your models um and i didn't used to appreciate the lighting as much as i do now i i just uh thought it doesn't matter i'll make it you know i'll do the lighting but i've come to realize the lighting is so important um you know with not just making the subject beautiful but um just getting the information that you need and that kind of thing. So there's a lot to learn about the tricks of photography itself um, to be able to use to, do, to make good reference for yourself.
0: Yeah. So you do take sort of the the whole body image and then when you go in on specific areas, like do a couple of different pictures of hands, of feet, you know, like just, is that the way you build up your reference?
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, it depends, you know, it really depends. That's definitely um an ideal way to do it. It's great. Um it's very rare that you get everything just happens to be exactly perfect in one photo. That would like, yeah. get pretty rare thing to happen. Um but it can happen, you know.
0: Yeah. So do you use Photoshop or something like that afterwards?
2: Um, yeah. I mean I do whenever I need to. Um I just do I use the tools that I need to um I don't have any feeling like you're not allowed to use this tool because, you know, Mickey Mouse won't like it or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, everyone like, knows
0: Mickey Mouse was, hates Photoshop. Mickey
2: has so many rules, that guy, know, you, know? Really. <laughs> it's
1: like, you know. I hate that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So how do you, do you have a screen, a monitor, you know, beside you or do you print out photos? Or
2: I use prints, yeah. Print, and yeah. yeah. I started out, you know, um, using either prints actually polaroids were the first things that I worked with when I started doing this kind of thing and um, then um, also using books it used to be books that you would get your photo reference from that was not from your model so from your own photos you take landscapes or animals or whatever but it used to be if I wanted a nice picture of a zebra or something I would have to you know go to a zoo or get it from a book and now of course you can just get tons of stuff online but Anyway, having kind of trained myself with books and photos um, so to begin with, it's just so much easier for me to look at uh printed reference rather than a screen. Yeah, yeah. You know, I see a lot of people doing the thing with the screen, and I just haven't adapted to that yet. So, I anyway, mean, yeah. probably lovely.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, do you do color studies and value studies before you get into the main
1: thing?
2: Um, I'm not likely to do a color study. I do value studies. Um, most, of, most of the time in some way or another I'll do value studies but color studies I think about the colors ahead of time and I make a plan ahead of time um, but I don't do a color study in general because it just doesn't ever come out the same way so what's the point <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> I mean I can sometimes the client will ask for one and they really need it and that's fine you know but um I uh, yeah, just to me it's kind of like okay we'll spend the time doing that but we could be just doing the painting so I don't know
0: yeah yeah um what do you like to paint on um.
2: um I like different surfaces I really love painting on wood it's probably my number one favorite but I also have um I love painting on linen and illustration board is what I started out on it's fantastic um I just I don't know, this like, I can't think of a surface that I really don't like. Clayboard has given me a few challenges. Have you ever worked on clayboard?
0: No. Is that like the, the like, frescoes? Is that what, that kind of thing? It's like, yeah. Um, no, no,
2: but it, it's it's real absorbent. It's actual clay on the surface. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not really, I don't think it's really ideal for using this oil paint, for sure. But it's definitely yeah. great for doing things like graphite. Do you know the work of Alan Williams? A, he does a lot of black and white like pencil stuff, or graphite no. work. No, no. So good. He's just really, really good. But he um, was showing me how to use the clay board and do it with graphite. You should look up his work cause, my God, he's good. Yeah. Very creative, too. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so he, he he just understands clay board so well, you know. And um, what were you going to say, Sorry.
0: Um I know it through um, Ali Kavanaugh. She does the watercolor on it, and hmm. uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing.
2: She does watercolor on clay board?
0: Yes. Yeah. Wow, I have to of, look it it. Modern day frescoes. Oh, huh. cool. Uh, yeah, she completely it was, it was kind of yeah. it's sort of once she once she once she and those uh, I can't remember what they're called artex or something uh, board art
2: artex or something artex yeah. yeah
0: something like that. When yeah. they masked it was like, that's it. They never looked back.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I really, I also love painting on the, um, what is it, the composite thing with the aluminum and. Oh yeah. That one. Yeah, that's a nice one. I love that. I mean, anything I get, I tend to put my own gesso on it. The only thing I don't do that with is, of course, if I get a um, a lead primed, you know, canvas or linen. Um, I love those, those there's this company called Art Traditions I think it is and they do this really gorgeous um, portrait linen with the lead prime on it Oh, it's just like painting on butter, so nice <laughs> just love it <laughs> eat it off, it's so good <laughs> <But> it's, like, <laughs> it's a nice purpose
0: <laughs> painting on butter would be terrible
2: it would be awful, yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> um, do you do a grisaille when you start, or not?
2: I do, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I, I use. Um, generally, I put pencil. I, this is one way I work. Okay, I put pen, sometimes I put down pencil, and then I put acrylic over that, and I do the grisaille with the acrylic paint because that seals the pencil down. Right. And um, but I also like to, if I'm painting from life or sometimes um, not just from life, but, you know, using my photos, but something that's a little more um, personal, I like to just go straight to oil paint um, and just start working on it that way and just yeah. bring the shapes out. Okay. So many different ways to approach things, and that's, that's one thing that it's just taken me a really long time to appreciate and feel comfortable about because for so long I... Felt like you know, there's a right way, isn't there? And you know, there's things that are right, right?
0: <laughs> so and, I'm, and I'm not doing them. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. Everybody else knows them, and they won't tell me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's just a life thing.
2: It is. You it's could apply that to everything.
0: <laughs> it's
2: exactly everything. Everyone yep. is doing better at adulting than me. <laughs> exactly right. I, I have. I, I'm writing. A, I wrote actually a children's story that I'm. Finishing the illustrations for, and it's all about that.
0: (laughs) Okay. That sounds great. (laughs) Needed. Definitely needed. (laughs) Um, Renata Herbemes in Germany says, what's your color palette like?
2: It changes with every painting. I really, um, when I'm going to paint, I used to have the same palette, which was basically a rainbow of colors. And it's the same. I used to use the same one that Boris did. Which was a very specific um layout of a lot of different colors. I, you know, could start naming them here, but I could do that in notes or something. But um, no, far it, away. I don't know, I'll forget. <laughs> basically,
0: names them. <too>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. Well, all right. I'll I'll do it just is memory because this has been a few years since I've used that palette. But let's start with um Alizarin Crimson and uh Cadmium Red Deep, Cadmium Red Medium, Cadmium Scarlet cadmium orange, cadmium yellow, cadmium lemon. Um, sometimes he'll get into a um, cadmium green pale. Wow, that's and a lot of cadmiums.
0: So Are you wearing a full hazmat suit when you're working this? That's <laughs> right. So, yeah,
2: <laughs> don't breathe when you're in the room and don't never touch your fingers and don't yeah, touch it's... your face. <laughs> um, then uh phthalo green, which is winter green. He used to he used Previously, only Winsor Newton colors, which is what I started out using. So, Winsor green, which is a phthalo green. Um, Then there's the phthalo blue, which is also Winsor blue, and ultramarine blue. Um, And then he would put in a Mars black and a titanium white.
1: Right.
2: So, those were the colors that he... Oh, and permanent rose. Yeah, permanent rose, which is a... um, You know what that is really bright, like it's like a lizard crimson without. It's like much more bright pinkish, you know. Um, So those are the colors that he used, and that I started out using, and I used for the first maybe um, fifteen or so years of my career. And then I started bringing in some other colors a little by little. Now I own the whole art store, <laughs> and I've got every brand and every color that there is. So I have, like, a ton of colors now, and I really enjoy learning about not only the different colors, but, like, a sienna and this brand is very different from the sienna and this other brand. So it's neat to learn about that and experiment with those colors. You know, each one has different textures, different levels of shiny or, you know, transparent or that kind of stuff. And I just love that. I enjoy very much experimenting with colors. Um, But the thing is that on each painting, I do decide ahead of time, like I'll bring out a number of tubes of paint and I try very hard to not bring out anything new in the middle of the painting because that's usually a mistake. (laughs) You know, once you've got your things set, if you just all of a sudden jump in with something at the last minute you better be doing it on purpose for a good reason because it can it's probably going to really stand out uh if you want it to stand out that's wonderful but if you want it to be part of the harmony of it um it's it's just going to have a problem
0: yeah so, um, yeah. so has that are any of those painting uh, those paint those colors that you mentioned have any of them Remains, like I I always still use Mars Black and Titanium White, and I always still use this one and that one, but the rest are gone or have been changed. Yeah, um,
2: for sure. Uh, Definitely Cadmium Orange. is uh, Winsor Newton's Cadmium Orange, to me, I I cannot find a replacement for that. Um, Also, the Cadmium Scarlet, um, Cadmium Red, the medium. I don't really use the Cadmium Red Deep as much anymore. The alizarin crimson. Of course, I'm talking about permanent alizarin crimson because we don't even bother using the true stuff because it's going to change too soon. Don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and permanent rose. I do love permanent rose still. Uh, cadmium lemon is a great one It's hard to replace. Um, I don't use much phthalo green or phthalo blue anymore because I've just realized how difficult it is to control those phalos, I and mean, they will take over your life you know they'll just really uh, <laughs> you have to really be careful with the phalo colors um, because they're so powerful uh, I don't really use very much black or uh, white that often I use titanium white when I use white but I like using now more like toned down white like some kind of a warm white that's already a pre-mixed white you know some different places yeah. that I like um, and that kind of I don't know I just you just like I go through phases too where I'll use more of this kind of combination and then I'll just sort of shift over into something new I'll yeah. see somebody using a color that I really love and I'll see a color at the art supply store and I'm know like, oh my god and that makes a whole painting happen you know <laughs> like you know what color was great with that was that violet gray from old holland oh my god so pretty do you know what color i'm talking about gray uh, violet or violet gray
0: no no i'm mixing it up with pain's gray no.
2: oh pain's gray i love pain's gray that's great stuff
0: so yeah what's the difference I, I, between that and violet gray
2: oh the violet gray it's uh, um the color is actually more like a violet you wouldn't really or oh, okay. like it's like a bluish bluish violet gray it's just such a beautiful kind of natural um like reflected light from the sky color um and Payne's Gray though is, is just great um I like using just Payne's Gray and 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 white as like a base for the sky blue believe it or not it comes out to be a beautiful sky yeah, blue yeah I'm gonna say Payne's, Payne's Gray is quite yeah. it's got
0: a blue to mm-hmm. see to it yeah
2: mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, do you have a particular medium you like to use?
2: Um, I use my terp as my medium most of the time, and I do like using, um, oleo gel as well. Oleo gel is really, really amazing stuff. Um, I don't really get into too many other mediums because I haven't really practiced with them enough. But I have gotten into doing what's called the oiling out process, where once you've painted your first bunch of layers, or first one layer even, let it dry, and then you take a mix of half turp and half galkid, and you put that on, and then you wipe that off, and then you let it dry for a day or two. When you go back on top of that, it's going to take your paint so much nicer. Mm. Um, but it does, you know, it might take one or two times to get used to that, what happens there, but it, it really will... um help your paint stay, not sink in so hard. You know how, like, when you paint and then it sinks in and then the darks turn gray?
1: Hmm.
2: You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, This keeps that from happening, and it, it really makes a nice, um, it's it's almost like bringing the colors back fresh um, and just keeping it that way, and it makes the paint dry slightly faster after that, too, because of the galcon I guess.
1: Yeah. And
0: um, do you do a lot of glazing? Yes. I do. Yeah, and do you use the turps to to get the the right you know thinness for the paint yeah. glazing. Yep, yeah, okay, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, When you said turps, I thought <laughs> oh, that might be what was going on. Um, yeah. So no linseed oil, no walnut oil, none of that stuff.
2: I don't use that. I've I've never had good luck with being able to control it. I I just haven't spent enough time practicing with it. That's all it is. It's not really a matter of luck with any kind of thing like this. It's just a matter of practicing, and until you understand it, you know, sometimes it can take a really long time, yeah, yeah. and I wasn't taught that I mean, Boris didn't do that, and so when I started to learn, to, he's the one who taught me my basic painting techniques when I first started painting yeah, with right. oil, and so um, I did what he did, you know, and he never used those things, so, um, you know, I just didn't get used to doing it that way. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great to use the oil, and I do think it will keep you from getting that grayed out look down the line when it dries, you know. Yeah, right.
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean that all comes back when you varnish it anyway. But it's it's great to be able to see what you're doing as you go along.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The Galka technique that I got uh, that I learned was from um, a lady that works for gambling art products who she's just such a great person to know and she is she she's so wonderful that it just helped me out understanding the art materials and you know, how to control these kind of things. Um, But she really, what she told me is that by doing this, you're actually going to fortify all of your paint that's within the painting and make it stronger, make it less likely to crack down the road. And, um, you know, it's just much better to have that oiling out process going on in between.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's her name?
2: I don't remember. I've got it written in my book (laughs) of special people. But um, if you call Gamblin or if you contact Gamblin, um, the customer service, she's likely the person who will help you with any questions you have like this. Okay. So now she's going to be like, thanks, Julie, for telling everybody to call me. <laughs> 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 no, yeah. she's just, I, I feel like her name's Mary, but I'm not 100%. But anyway, she's just, yeah. um,
0: <laughs> possibly she's Mary like, at Gamblin. Yeah,
2: possibly Mary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Gamblin is a really great company, and I'm not pushing their products for any reason other than that I I really love them I've, all their colors that I use are good and they're also very much hell-bent on making things non-toxic as much as possible and environmentally safe which I really seriously appreciate
1: yeah yeah good.
0: um okay Carlos uh Nieves I hope I got that right Carlos sorry if I didn't what oil paints do you mainly use and types of brushes
2: um, well as I was mentioning, I use all kinds of oil paints and um I really you know, I've I, uh, I guess the the main brands that come to mind are Winter Newton, Gamblin, uh Old Holland, um what is it? Michael Harding I think it is. Yeah. And Williamsburg. And those are the, the main ones that I use um that I can think of right now. And as far as brushes go, I honestly go from, okay, there's one brush that you cannot replace that is essential for me, (laughs) and that's the um, Windsor-Newton Series 7 number 1 round. Nothing else in the world is like that that I know of, and if anybody knows of another one that is the same, please tell me because I don't know of it, and I'd love to know of any others. There was a time when there was a shortage of them, but anyway. um <laughs> so a wardrobe <laughs> full
0: of them now, do you? <laughs>
2: yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. But anyway, um, no, I actually like to use any kind of brush. Um, I'll get this really cheap craft brushes sometimes are good for certain things. You know, um, student-grade brushes all the way to the super expensive Brushes. I just go, I, when I, I'm not going in any art stores right now because of, you know, COVID and staying home, so I'm ordering everything, but when I could go to the art supply store, um, I would just go and just, like, look at all the, I would just want to start a new painting, and I would think, okay, I'm going to go to the store, and I'm just going to look at the brushes and think, like, what brush do I need, like, pretend like, these brushes are all at my own house, you know, and then just pick the brushes that I need, and that way I would learn about the new brushes um, from the need that I had at the moment, and I have come to realize that I do mostly use bright, you know, or flat, but mostly bright and uh, round brushes. So that's mostly what I use.
0: Okay. Um, what's the bright shape?
2: Cat wait, cat tongues also, that like, say, you know, that shape.
0: Which is that the bright or the cat's tongue?
2: <laughs> oh, the cat's tongue. Cat's tongue. I'm just trying to describe how it's shaped. It's like that shape. Oh if you yeah. Look in a video. Yeah, it's
0: like a shovel. So it's kind
2: of like a pointy. Yeah, like a shovel, right? Yeah.
0: Um, and, and what was the bright again? I missed that one. A
2: bright is like a. It's like a flat, but it's there's a difference between the flat and the bright, and I'm not. I'm not 100 sure how accurate this is, but I think that the the bright has a little bit of a sharper point. Not. I don't want to say point because it doesn't go to a point because it's straight across. Yeah. But rather than being thicker this way, it's, it goes like thinner towards the end. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. On okay. its edge, you mean it comes to a yeah, on point. Yeah, on its
2: edge. Its edge is going to be sharper. Yes. yes.
0: Oh, okay. Addresses. All right. Yeah. Okay. And what about rosemary brushes, Escoda brushes? They seem to be... A lot of people don't know about them.
2: Yeah, I I do. I love the rosemary brushes and I use Escoda brushes also. Yeah. Um, I think with the Escoda, I'm using the ones that are, um, what is it, the squirrel, where it's like a gray and cream colored bristles? You know which ones? Are mongoose or something? I can't remember. But anyway, um, there's so many brushes that I use. I really have a hard time. But the rosemary brushes, I learned a lot about those. I was at a an art conference um a couple of years ago and she had a representative there that was so sweet and gave me a ton of cool things to try. Um so I do use a lot of their brushes too.
0: Yeah, that was probably Simi,
1: was it? Her that's Rosemary, yes, Rosemary, Rosemary. Right. yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: yes, that's Simi, you're right. That Everybody right. loves yep. Simi,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. How could you not? She's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: okay, brilliant. And palette knives, do you use that much?
2: Yeah, um, I, I do mostly when I'm doing the abstract things that I do, or um, I've done some paintings of animals with the palette knife. Um, you know, basically I'll just use whatever tool I need for whatever's going on. Um, you know, I like to use eyedroppers. I got a whole bunch of eyedroppers. Okay. Um, you know, and just different things for different purposes. Yeah. Um, I use, like, sometimes I'll take a... Uh, a dish rag that has a lot of strings hanging off because it got all torn up And I'll just use that to drag it around and stuff to make like shapes of like, you know, what I love I love like the Japanese um, Calligraphy where they use those, you know, and so it's like um, That's what that makes me think of when
0: you yeah, use a Yeah, where they're holding the, the brush and upright Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. and you see these little stray marks are so pretty. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Have you seen the German? I think she is German artist she does this but she has it she's a giant one of those strung up from the ceiling on a pendulum kind of thing oh wow and she you know gets into it with it you know and makes these huge oh kind of I, I don't think it's calligraphy but she paints with this huge swinging brush it's wild to look huh. at
2: no i haven't seen that that's amazing <laughs> yeah i i guess they have to be abstract right or not
0: yeah and no, i think they are yeah oh, okay yeah, yeah. Oh, no, she's Thank not painting. She's <laughs> not painting. Not, not figurative at all. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> yeah.
2: People are amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think the nice thing about it is she manages to get the same kind of energy that you get with those calligraphy brushes we were talking about, mm-hmm. which is on a huge scale, and it's mm-hmm. it's not printed. It's actually done, you know?
2: Yeah. That's that's another thing, is that what, the size of painting you're doing, really does affect so much, and I advise people to um, vary what they do on a regular basis if they have any intention of going outside of the size that they normally work in, because you can get very comfortable with one size of work, and it's really hard to break out of that, um, either big or small or whatever. It's, it's, I think it's a good idea to exercise your brain and your skills by changing it up a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Very good. It
2: it's really easy to get stuck with one.
0: Ellen Star Leon in Indiana says, "I'd love to hear you talk about painting different textures, hair, skin, feathers, etc., and how that changes with scale. Love your work."
2: Yeah, I mean, we're just talking about scale. Yeah, it does change with scale. <laughs> um so um Yeah, I mean, obviously with a bigger piece You know, the idea is that you need to have space to step back from it. Um, But since we have our phones and we can just shoot pictures of things nowadays, it's so great to just be able to see your painting really small or, you know, whatever, at any given moment. That's a wonderful tool, and it should be used a lot to help you see what you're doing right or wrong.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and as far as textures go, that is one of the things that I've always been fascinated with since I was a kid, just being able to capture textures. Uh, when I would do, do my artwork um, and I I think I just over all the years spent so much time observing you know why does this thing look this way and, and there's more to it than the immediate first thing and you can't just I, I, I feel that you can't just see a photograph copy it verbatim and get that feeling for that texture the same way as if you really put your mind into why does that texture have that texture You know you may be able to duplicate what's in the photograph but it's not going to have that deep feeling to it I don't think unless you think about it that way you know if you're painting something velvety or furry or whatever you need to understand what is it that is happening there to make that texture uh, feel that way so you want to feel it I guess that's why it is because textures are something we feel you know and so you need to feel with your eyes yeah, and in order to feel with your eyes, you need to understand, you know, why it's going like that.
0: Do you have a preference, like, just uh, when, when you're thinking about textures or paintings coming up, and you're like, "Oh, great fur! I love fur," or "Oh up not fur!" Anything but fur. Do you, you know? <laughs>
2: I don't have a preference for that. No. no, I can't think of a preference or a dislike of any particular texture to paint.
1: Yeah, really. Yeah, well, I think that comes. The thing come I on. don't
2: like, the thing I, the thing I'm not, I, I wouldn't say I don't like, but the thing I'm not as comfortable with painting is anything that I have to measure or make straight lines with. Just don't like it.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I, just,
2: I just, I don't know. I just have a thing about it. I don't really know what that is. It's Weird. Okay. I, I, I'm not good at measuring things for some reason. I'm kind of dyslexic with that, and like if if I measure something literally three or four times I get a different number every time <laughs> okay. like, I don't know what my problem is it's just nuts you know I mean I have tried to build things here and there but it's not me <laughs>
0: <laughs> so no architectural paintings for you
2: which is funny because my dad was an architect so wow. you know yeah wow.
1: mm-hmm. yeah my he, um,
2: he got all the all the measuring stuff in the family so
1: yeah uh, okay
0: my dog <laughs> oh, what they're barking at there's nothing happening we live in the country there couldn't be anything out there <laughs> worth barking at yeah. um yeah m- m- one of my uh or my ipad um gave up the ghost so i had to get a new one and you know it wasn't I, I, you know it was just like a tool it wasn't really uh we're we'll getting a new ipad but i was just looking at it and i saw the same measure i was like, what's that? And um I, I went into it, and basically you point the camera at something and you you know, you know click on one end of something, like if you wanted to measure your bathtub, you kind of tap on one end and then tap on the other end and it'll tell you the measurement. It's amazing.
2: That is amazing. <laughs> I can try that. I can try it. I will try it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's probably, if you have an iPhone, I'm sure it's on the iPhone as
2: yeah. well. Yeah, okay. I will definitely try that. <laughs> I have my own measuring tape, which I do keep with me, like, most of the time, because I like having a measuring tape, but I just don't use it well, so. Okay. And I like to play what, one of my sons and I play what's called the uh, measuring game, (laughs) where we we, um, look at something and we say, how far away is that thing? And then you guess, you know, and it's kind of like, who guesses? And so then we measure it. So I'm good at that kind of thing, but to, like, measure a thing... To cut it into the right shape, or nail something together, or something like that. That's what I can't do. It anyway. oh,
1: okay.
0: um How do you measure like if something is in the distance with your son? I don't.
2: Oh, you know, like you look across the room and there's a pot of flowers, and you're like, how far oh, okay. away is that? So right it's flower? not like
0: how far away is that tree or something.
2: Well, it could be a tree.
0: Sorry. Yeah, well, how do you measure that then? You paste it out or something?
2: Oh, well, yeah, no, we have a measuring tape.
0: Oh, oh, a measuring long. tape
2: that I keep it's it's about 50 feet, I think, yeah. It's, uh-huh, long. it's a okay. good one. I like to keep it near. It's my special one. Nobody's allowed to touch it. Okay. Because <laughs> it's not going to get lost.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> um,
0: right. Um, how do you check yourself as you're working? You know, like, some artists use the mirrors a lot, or they'll turn the cameras upside down, or as you say, they take the photos... Or they're squinting or they get critiques from other artists what what do you do
2: all of those i don't really use a mirror that much but i do turn the paintings upside down and sideways Um, i definitely get critiques from Boris and from my sons you know and um, your uh, sons
0: are brilliant Um, because when i was again not doing any research earlier on um, I kind of looked them up, and I'm following both of them anyway on Instagram. Yeah, like cool. I think yeah. they're brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
2: They are. They're so good.
0: And yeah, they're quite and different. Quite distinct
1: styles. Yeah, well.
2: and and they, you know, I really um, they give me really good thoughts. They understand me very well, and so um, when they critique my art, they can. Uh, they're not they don't go easy on me at all (laughs) (laughs) no not at all (laughs) I've actually had to start painting over because they both agreed that it's just you know foundational problems here so (laughs) they had an
0: intervention with you (laughs) did (laughs) they? mom we have to talk (laughs) sat you down it's
1: not working out
0: (laughs) that's
2: about it (laughs) you think I'm kidding (laughs) no I
1: don't
0: I know what kids are like
2: (laughs) But, um, yeah, so, no, I I definitely um, really do use whatever, like I said before, whatever tools are available or whatever help is available, um, I believe in it. So, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Great. Um, What kind of lighting setup do you have in your studio?
2: Um, We have some halogen lights that are up, that are like um, those kinds, I forget what you call it, where it's like a spotlight, but I've got four of them. And I can arrange them different ways. You know, what do you call it? Track lights. Track okay, lights. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. So we've got those, and then we've also got some um, fluorescent lights that have a balanced color. So the hal the halogen, if you have just that, it makes a really hard shadow, and so it makes it difficult sometimes. But the um, apparently, I didn't know this is why, but I thought it was really cool that the light waves from the um, fluorescent light are scattered all over the place, and the halogen ones are direct. And so the, the scattered ones fill in the spaces of the direct ones, and so they make it where you don't have those hard shadows anymore. So that's pretty cool. I love that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you didn't know that? I thought everybody knew that.
2: Did not know that. <laughs> I, did, I didn't know
1: that. God, who knows that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And I already remember how did I learn that, but um I mean, that's ever brilliant. told you that? Yeah, whoever told it to me was. I don't know. I can't remember. Maybe it, it was one of my. It was sons. probably Elon Musk.
0: <laughs> he knows that sort of stuff. I mean, he's <laughs> the only person that knows that sort of stuff. Sounds like science fiction.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I think it was the guy who put in the truck lighting for me, honestly. Okay. Um, and he was, yeah, because he was a lighting person. And so he said, this will fill it in for you. And I, I think that's what happened. I really don't know for sure. But hmm. anyway, uh, I just thought, how did I go my whole life without knowing about knowing that?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, cause it? Because sure. it wasn't
2: that long ago that we got that set up. And it's so yeah. oh, great.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, I yeah I do know I don't like fluorescent lights for that reason because they there is I, I my eyes are sensitive to the little mm-hmm. strobe yeah you because know, it's not yeah continuous right um so that wouldn't work out for me but yeah I did know that they did do that scattering crazy kind of thing all right right.
1: Mhm. um
0: so you and Boris are in the same room like you actually have the same studio you share the same space yep or you, we yeah. do okay yes we
1: do
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> okay yep it's perfect. It's awesome. we have it's the, the room that we're in is what would have been the family room in this house. Okay. And so it's a pretty large room, you know, meant for like where you have your family gatherings and whatever. And um, so he's in his half of the room and I'm in my half of the room. And, um, you know, it's just, it's perfect. Yeah. So
1: yeah. Anyway. Lovely.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, what, if anything, do you listen to as you work?
2: We listen to music. Um, we, Boris really, really loves having music all the time, and, um, he always used to listen only to classical music, um, and so, uh, but I, I love classical music, too, but I love all kinds of music, and so what we do is we alternate days of, who's the DJ, you know, and so, um, (laughs) today's Boris's day, so, anyway, um. He'll play his classical music on his days, and then on my days, I like to jump around and play different things you know different uh, Okay, kind of music. so
0: what sort of things do you like to play?
2: um I do mostly listen to you know rock music, and um I like also a certain amount of like classic country music um, yeah. and I love um jazz also and there's really so many different kinds of music, really.
1: Okay. But it's I like
2: also to just experiment with music. I like to like learn about a new kind of music. So I'll go on Pandora or something and I'll look up different topics and different kinds of music and just that'll be the thing I'm doing for now, you know. So.
1: Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: surprising the number of artists who paint these very still, beautiful, um, serene paintings and they listen to techno music. And mm-hmm. I like
2: out. techno music a lot. I do love techno. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You know what? Um, I do like also like movie soundtrack music. Oh yeah, and yeah, and yeah. it really does help to influence you, you know, a lot for what you're doing. Yeah, I think.
0: Do you have particular movie soundtracks that you go back to again and again?
2: Um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly.
0: Really? Wow, mm-hmm. that's classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. That, that whole movie, things, actually. So that yeah. that. It is so good, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Um, you don't have playlists on Spotify that people can look at, do you?
2: No, that'd be okay. fun, but I, I don't. I, I want to, honestly, I just haven't figured out how to make my own playlist yet. <laughs> my <laughs> sister's like, Julie, just do it. <laughs> you know, I just haven't done it. So I would like to do that, yeah. Okay. I will.
0: Um, okay. Do you have a, like, quirky tool, paint, medium, piece of equipment that someone listening might be surprised to hear about or that you, you know, know that you don't know anybody else who uses this, but you think it's great? Hmm. Your hair.
2: (laughs) My hair. Yeah, sometimes when I'm drawing um, and the pencil, the little pieces of pencil or eraser sometimes get there and if you use your hair to get rid of that, so much better than any other tool.
0: Oh wow. Hey I could do that. <laughs> Just yeah. to let my hair down. <laughs> Make sure your hair is clean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, okay. Good tip. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's brilliant. Okay, so long hair. So you yeah, have to hair. grow your hair now.
0: If <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to be able to get the that, that particular vibe gone. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, God, I'm really enjoying this podcast. I've listened to a few now and they're brilliant. And there's so many of them. And I've learned so much from listening to them. And you know what? If I met that John Dalton fellow in real life, I'd love to buy him a cup of tea and have a chat with him. I'd love to do that every month if I could. Well, now you can. The Tea Part, at least, because this podcast runs on cups of tea, bought for me by people like you who listen to the podcast and send me the price of a cup of tea once a month through the Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash John Dalton, gently does it, all one word. And if you're one of those people who already send me cups of tea through Patreon, thanks a million. The tea is lovely and I really appreciate it. Now, the great thing is that if you can't afford to send me the price of a cup of tea or you don't want to, that's fine. You still get exactly the same podcast for free. It's sort of an honor system where the people who can afford it and want to pay for the people who can't. Or don't want to. So it's all lovely. So if you'd like to send me a cup of tea once a month, you can do that through Patreon. I'd really appreciate it. It makes a huge difference to me. Hugo Martinez in New Orleans uh, says I've always been intrigued by the atmospheric details in the environments you, Boris, and other fantasy artists paint. Uh, to me, they've always been otherworldly and fill me with wonder. I was wondering if uh, they have any meaning to you or any meaning you want a viewer to take from them. Well, I do think
2: that the way he worded it is just perfect, that it's just otherworldly and to make you filled with wonder. And that is the point, is to take you, you know, you're still going to have a certain amount of this reality that we understand with our gravity and our properties of our Earth. But, um because if it was just too removed from that, you wouldn't understand it as a landscape or anything or as a world space. Um, but, um yeah, the whole point is to take you to another place so that you can really feel that environment, you know, to become really, like, tactile about it and really be able to feel the surfaces. And that's why I think that the textures and... um you know, having a certain amount of randomness within the textures and that kind of thing gives it more reality and makes you be able to actually feel those surfaces.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I, also, I imagine that, particularly with the more heavily commissioned work, that you know, you've, it's based maybe on a story or a book or a game mm-hmm. or something. You know, you've got you've got a brief uh, and you've got a. Yeah. There are there are parameters for the world. You know, it's basically your end of it is to see what it looks like but there are, you know, there's this thing and there's this other thing and, you know,
1: it's not so it's, it's collaborative almost, yeah
2: It is, yeah Yeah, right and so, um, yeah so the whole point is to be able to you know, think of an interesting way that visually fits in with what else you're trying to say what else is in the picture um, you know, to um, to make it a, a, a painting that serves its purpose in all the different ways. One is to communicate what's in the book, but also to draw your attention to a book cover or whatever it is, you know, that it's for.
0: Yeah. Do you read read a lot of fantasy books, science fiction books? No, no,
2: I really don't. mm -mm. And did you ever? Yeah, I, no, I didn't. I've actually read more in in the direction of, like, mythology and legends and that stuff, uh, rather than fantasy um, I don't know why, I was thinking about this just the other day because I'm doing a, going to be starting on a project that has to do with mythology and I was thinking, I like, I like to read mythology so much more than I like to read fantasy and I don't really know why. I think it's interesting.
1: Mm.
2: It feels more like real to me, isn't that weird?
1: Yeah. Why
2: is that? I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. I'm. I mean, fantasy is the same thing. Can you see why would a person prefer mythology over fantasy I don't know well <laughs> and not even mythology that I know of I like to learn new mythologies that I've never heard about and like how this what that what that means to the culture that developed it yeah you know, so but, but it's not just that, it's not like I only like Greek mythology that I'm accustomed to or something like that but I'm saying that I I just really love the feeling of the idea of a people in a culture creating a mythology as a group you know and this has meaning to them and yeah. I guess the fantasy is just maybe it can be too much too all over the place I'm not sure I don't
0: know. yeah well I think it's um it's kind of what you're saying about somebody acting and when they kind of read they start to tip over into oh now I can see them acting it's mm-hmm. kind of like um because mythology was believed as a real thing it wasn't mm, you know this is a story true. it was yeah. like there was a period in time when humans Thought it was it was actually real that were really gods yeah. up on Olympus. I mean, can you
1: them,
2: just don't you love it if we all thought that a chariot was going across the sky with the sun <laughs> every day? Wouldn't that just be fun to think that you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I mean, all we. I mean, is, if you uh,
2: actually believed it, it'd be so
1: weird.
0: Yeah. 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 So I think I think I think that probably is a big factor in it because. It doesn't matter how good a fantasy story is. You know, it's like some part of you is gone. yeah, this is just made up. Somebody just made this up.
2: That's it, yeah. You know? I think you're right, yeah. And it's not to say I don't like fantasy literature. I just prefer mythology over it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, I honestly don't really have much time to read anything at all. Honestly, <laughs> I really don't. I, I use my all my visual stuff doing art right. and visual things, and so I listen to uh, stories and, and books on you know, Audible, and hmm. um, I love listening to podcasts, um, you know. And of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I do. <laughs> I really, do. I, I, that's what I, I like to listen to people talking about their things. So, I think yeah. Cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, um, you you got me on to That That's a great podcast.
2: Oh, gosh, yeah. Isn't it so good, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's very good if you listen to I haven't Arthold. gotten to
2: hear those last few chapters uh, of Frida Kahlo, but I can't wait. Yeah, no. I, I went. I started off
0: on uh, Caravaggio, and mm, for, the, whole so first, the whole first whole first hour is just basically a, a condensed, yeah. an hour-long condent, condensation of Christianity.
2: <laughs> and you know, honestly, hearing his um, story about Jackson Pollock was part of what got me to feel like I wanted to try some more abstract type things, just because understanding more about him as a person. And, yeah, you know, not that I admire every single thing about him or even his art, but I. I learned so much more about him than I thought there was. And even about his, his paintings, I didn't. there were so many of his kinds of paintings that he had done. I don't know, I just saw it completely differently after yeah. I, after understanding the man more, you know? Yeah, yeah, his no, story.
0: it's very good. It's a great podcast. Yeah. He's got a great voice, yeah. great delivery, really well written. Oh,
2: yeah, he's so Nice, much fun. nice
0: yeah. level of irreverence for Tuttle.
2: Uh-huh.
0: I don't like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the movie about uh, Jackson Pollock? With, uh, no,
2: I haven't. I
0: haven't.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's
0: good, so. it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just going back to that person's question to Hugo's question, do they have any particular meaning to you other than this feeling of wonder?
1: Um I'm just trying to think
2: of particular paintings and fantasy backgrounds, particular meaning. I mean I I guess I would say You know, I tend to be somebody who I think in a symbolic way all the time, pretty much. And I wouldn't say all the time, but, you know, I think in a symbolic way very often. And especially when I'm thinking about art, of any kind of art. And so in my background, um, you know, I definitely do feel that there's a certain meaning to... Like I remember once I was doing a painting um, that was supposed to have this really oppressive sky, and it just couldn't stand it to not put a little bit of light coming in because I just felt like this woman has no hope. I can't deal with it, you know. And so I just felt like she had to have that little bit of light coming in from the bottom, you know, that there was some hope there. And so that actually uh, was, a, uh, was a background that quite literally, you know, I felt deep meaning for. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just something that probably nobody know you'd even notice it. But, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Okay. So,
2: yeah, I mean the atmospheres—they—they they do affect it, you know us, and they tell part of the story of whatever's going on in the painting. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah definitely the background, is every bit as much of a story as as whatever is the main thing happening.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, look, oh yeah. Just while you were um, it occurred to, have you have you uh, read or listened to Mythos uh, by Stephen Fry? If you like myths and mythology. Oh.
2: Stephen Fry Wait, i love Stephen Fry. What are you talking about? Tell me what
0: what are we saying? Yeah, his he's got a book called Mythos, which is all about um Greek mythology. And it's I think it's probably I didn't read it but it's I listened to it and it's you know, he does all the voices and everything. It's very funny.
1: Oh my uh, God I gotta have
2: this this is on Audible or something I guess. Yeah, yeah.
0: He starts right from the beginning. And it's good because it puts all the gods in chronology and the mm. story behind all the gods. And, you know, like before that, I didn't know the difference between one set of gods. I didn't really know who the titans were. I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. how they fit in and whose who's parents they were and whose parents. Oh, there's
2: so much. <laughs> it's yeah,
0: but so, so he <laughs> goes through yeah. it all and you kind of just follow along in the chronology and how they interact with man and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it's great. I think mm-hmm. you'd love it then.
2: I would definitely love it, and I am going to get that for sure. Okay. Thank
1: you. <laughs>
0: uh jonathan martin ives in colorado says would you ever do another sculpture series like the biker angels
2: i would love to do it honestly that was something that was presented to me from the franklin mint um i don't know if you if you know who they are john franklin mint was a company that um, i don't i guess they're still around but they're very very limited now because they changed the way they did everything um but at the time it was a company that made a lot of different products that were um, decorative things for your house and uh so anyway they had um at at the time that they brought borsony into their world was an amazing time because they had like basically a whole little town that was them i mean it wasn't really a town it was a building but it took up so much space and it had so much going on they actually had their own zip codes (laughs) <laughs> and um they really did and yeah, so the same we visited with uh,
0: hallmark i think hallmark is
2: yeah it's just, it was that kind of thing so they they had their own little, little world there and they did everything there at one time they did entire production there and everything and um then it kind of got watered down when they started outsourcing certain things and then it changed uh, i guess the owner. um changed what she was doing, she decided to do other things, and so they sold it, and it has changed a lot. So um, anyway, they don't, I don't think they're making anything remotely like what they were at that time, but um, I did enjoy very much designing those sculptures. Now, I didn't sculpt any of the things that were in that series. I did the, the drawings and the designs for them, and I worked with the sculptor They would make a maquette and then they would send pictures of it or I'd see it in person and then I would tell them adjustments to make or things like that, you know, but they were excellent sculptors that knew what they were doing Um, and uh, I was really grateful for that too because, you know, could have been not a good interpretation, (laughs) but they did beautiful, beautiful things with that stuff. I loved it. I was really proud
0: of it. Yeah, so you're open to it, but nothing's on the horizon.
2: Yep, yeah, it's not something I would put into production myself or I would, like, go through the motions of making it happen myself because I've got other things I'd rather be doing if I'm just doing my own thing. Yeah, but yeah. if someone came to me with this idea and they had all the, mean, the means to make it happen, I'd be definitely open to to be uh, involved in something like
0: that. It's right.
2: fine. Yeah. Uh,
0: H. Fish in Australia says... Um, Please ask why there is no plain talk when many artists describe their work. The uh, quotes, artists speak, is just gobbledygook. I think that might mean gobbledygook.
2: Yeah, I saw that question. I thought that was a really good question. Um, And I think think a lot of artists are just not that used to talking about their art, um, possibly, And it is a whole other skill, a whole different skill to talk about your art. Um, And, you know, like people who go to art school for fine art, in general, you know, fine art schools will ask of their students to learn how to talk about their art um, so that they can um, sell their art, really. And they need to learn to talk about it in such a way that you know, has a certain weight to it, um, and it's like a language that you kind of learn, but I think a lot of people that just want to talk about their art, that, and I'm not saying I'm one of those, because the schools that I went to, I didn't really get into that level of, you know, talking about my art that much, you know, there was some talk about my art and critiques and things like that, but, um, but I have a lot to learn about that myself. Um, I would say art is something that's kind of not that easy to always describe directly because there's certain certain things about it that are kind of like experiences that don't have words and they might be better described in pictures and that's partly why it's not easy to talk about it. Um, Now when you're talking about process like how to paint or how to draw or how to make art of any kind um, you know I think that's also something that you kind of have to learn how to talk about. And um, if you're just a self-taught artist, you you might just happen upon these things and you, you learn them. You don't necessarily think them out in words because you're not really teaching anybody else. You're not talking to anybody else about it. Yeah. So it's really a language that you have to learn. And, and I think if somebody is doing that on purpose, it's just because they don't really have anything to say um, because maybe they're just, trying to sound like you know, I don't know, trying to sound like it's more than it is or something, or maybe they don't understand it themselves why maybe their art is really good but they don't they haven't analyzed it verbally to be able to describe it or something like that, you know. Um yeah. I think, you know, verbal skills are very different from art skills, right? And that's why yeah. sometimes you have people who are really excellent teachers but they're not necessarily that great of an artist, or vice versa. Somebody's a really great artist, and they're a terrible teacher, you know? Yeah. It can happen, so.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I kind of got the feeling as well that they were talking about the sort of language that not necessarily artists use, but that maybe gallerists use, art critics Mm -hmm. use, people, you know, on the, people who talk about art rather than make art, Mm. um, and in many ways set themselves up as gatekeepers. -hmm. And in order to make sure the gate is working as a gate and that they are the keeper of it, they can kind of, the language can evolve so that it's like, uh, it's almost purposefully obscure, so that it makes you feel like you're a bit stupid if you don't
1: get what they're saying. And I guess that
2: makes them, that makes that person in control of the product. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, and then you don't want to ask too many questions because you don't want to sound like you're stupid, right?
1: Yeah. That's yeah, yeah.
2: really a good point. That's true. I. That is too bad. Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, I, that makes sense. Yeah. That's <laughs> Um Yeah, it's true. I've heard people say, you know, I remember once somebody, I was at a museum with a friend, and he said, tell me, Julie, do I like this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like I don't know. <laughs> should I? Should I like it? Yeah, I think that was more the question. Should I like it? And it's like that, that, it's you know it's really a shame that that's that's how it is with like we're all the same. We're, nobody wants to be on the outside of the good stuff and what's cool and all that, and um, we don't want to look like we don't know as much as the next person or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're afraid to ask questions sometimes. I don't think it's a good thing. I think we should always say, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Please, say it in English or whatever language you're speaking that we all speak. Say it in that language, in plain language that I can get. Yeah. And if you don't get something, ask more questions.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a quote, but I think it's Einstein. He said, if you can't explain something to a five-year-old, you don't know your subject well enough.
2: I like that. Yeah, yeah,
0: I like it too. but what I've observed with people is there seems to be a particular type of person who just gravitates toward that. Probably because of my upbringing, but I always think of them like as priests. You know, they have a they have a mentality of. They'll make the they make the language more complicated. It's almost like standing in the doorway, looking back over the shoulder, going, "Oh, it's really great in here." Yeah, it's really it's, it's yeah it's it's too you, you can't be in you here. wouldn't be able to handle it. But I can tell you because I can't. It's it's really <laughs> impressive, and I'll tell you all about it. Just stay there.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's where really the, that's perfect. Yeah,
0: where there are other people, and I include myself in this, I I can't stand that. I'm like, get out of the way, and like, let's all go in the room together. <laughs>
2: Right. Yeah, and let's look at everything, and let's ask a lot of questions until we really understand it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it really hurts to feel that shame of uh, or embarrassment to ask questions or, you know, to appear that you don't know something. It's just a terrible feeling, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. What does that word mean? It's very hard to say that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that word means. That word you just used five times.
2: Oh, Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Um, okay. Apache Knight I'm not sure if that's the person's name or just the Instagram name. They say, What came to first? Painting or bodybuilding? And in what way do they influence each other to you? And then Emily Ruth Henderson in Florida says, I'd love to hear more about your bodybuilding days and how it inspired your art. And then Sarah Griffin in Connecticut said, Yes, this. You inspired me with your art as well as bodybuilding And then um, Serene, or maybe it's Serena, uh, Yoshiko says, What came first, love of bodybuilding strength slash physique or love of depicting anatomy? As an artist and recreational lifter, I find that the two balance each other. I have to say that I was inspired by your art from an early age. The way you married strength with beauty was so empowering for me as an atypical tomboy. So Aww, the questions about really bodybuilding and art. And art. Yep.
2: yeah. Well, they definitely go together. Um, but I, I can say that I, I was I've been an artist ever since I can remember, you know. And I um, so I would say definitely art came before bodybuilding. But I've also been always a very physical person, and I I didn't like organized sports at all when I was in school. I hated that, in fact. Um, honestly what is I just hate somebody blowing whistles at me and yelling at me <laughs> so that's not my idea of fun <laughs> but I do like climbing trees and running around and testing myself you know and yeah. um, doing things that are challenging for me I love that and I studied a lot of dance and gymnastics and uh, things like that when I was a kid but um, and even as an adult not gymnastics but dance but anyway um so I've always had this physical inclination to do things like that, and I um, got into bodybuilding when I was uh, in my early 20s and really enjoyed very much the whole the discipline of it and things that I learned from that are just irreplaceable. Um, but I had already been involved in art all along. I hadn't started painting yet the way I paint now. So painting that way came after bodybuilding, but um, it all, I would just say that they both are just part of who I am yeah. as a human, and so they really did come together, um, and the, the, I really like that it was mentioned about being empowering and all that, and the strength in the paintings, because that's one of the things I love about Boris's art, um, before I knew him, was his way of these powerful women in his paintings, and the powerful men but just that sense of um, the powerful people there and um, then when uh, when I started doing my own paintings, I really wanted to always, you know, make that feeling of
1: the empowered uh, women in the paintings. Um,